So let's continue with our discussion. I'm sure that many of us in the room, you have said things like, um, I want to do something with meaning and purpose, or you've seen certain jobs as up here, certain jobs as down here, uh, certain jobs as spiritual, certain jobs as not as spiritual. And, uh, and so there's this trend I think you see um, even in the secular world, to use that word again, um, where I think people are wanting to attach meaning and purpose. Even people that aren't Christians are, are wanting to attach meaning and purpose to their jobs and to what they do for a living. And so companies are being created. Um, with these kinds of purposes in mind. Some of them are Christian companies. Some of them are not necessarily Christian in how they operate. But um, I think you see more and more of this kind of thing happening in our culture today. So um, I want to show you this picture of my wife way back before I knew her. This is like her, I think, early 20s. We have the photo up there. Uh, so she's on the right there making some kind of an emphatic point about something. And, uh, and so um, you will not know who the guy on the left is. Uh, my daughter was like, is that you? I'm like, that's not me. I don't fake bake. That's not me. Um, so, yeah, true story. So um, so that dude, is uh, anybody here um, have on a pair of Tom's shoes right now? Anybody? Anybody? Or it's, oh, that's the guy that founded Tom's Shoes right there. His name is Blake uh, Mykoski. This is before he was rich. Um, but... Anyway, so the story goes, as my wife tells it, is that my wife's parents knew, somehow knew Blake's parents, some, some connection, and he was just a, a frat boy from SMU at that point, and uh, they said, hey, we should have our, our kids should meet, you know, and just kind of see, you know, just see, and so they had this, they had this, uh, it wasn't a blind date, but they had like this little thing where they were supposed to meet and all that, and I guess y'all played, were y'all playing Mafia that night? What's the... Yeah, it looks like you're holding up, he's holding up the ace card. So, um, so they met. Nothing happened, obviously. They didn't connect, thank God. Um, but I like to tell people, I was like, man, you know, my wife, she had a chance with the guy that founded Tom's Shoes, and she still chose me, you know? So I tell the story. So you could have been living on a yacht in California somewhere, and you get to live in a little house in Temple, Texas. So congratulations. Um, so, um, so anyway, but she said that when, when she kind of met him a couple times, she said that he talked about, like, wanting to found some company, you know, some company that would, like, help people and not just make money but also help people. And so, lo and behold, a few years later, like, Tom's Shoes. and Everyone buys Tom's Shoes now, you know. And so um, the purpose of Tom's Shoes, of course, is they want to not just provide shoes for you but also provide shoes for um, people all over the world that need shoes. And I think you're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff in our culture today where people want to start um, a company that has – meaning and purpose, and they want to do meaningful and important things for the world and for, um, and for at times, the kingdom, other times, just, for, just to help people. And I imagine many of you are thinking of some of the same kinds of things as, as you plan your future in the coming years. But here's the good news that I want to share with you today. We don't have to split things into sacred and secular. We don't need to split things into spiritual and not spiritual. I mean, yeah, it's great if someone figures out how to give away shoes to the poor while selling shoes to the rich. That's great. But that's not the only way to have meaning and purpose in the work that you do. If you are a Christian, listen, if you're a Christian, then any job that you do becomes spiritual. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. 
So any job that you do, you are taking the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go. He indwells you. He's a part of you. And any job, whatever it is, becomes spiritual when a Christian is doing it. It becomes spiritual. So God does not want us dividing everything up into sacred and secular. And we know this is true because we look at, turn to John chapter 17. Look at John 17, verses, uh, starting verse 15. Here Christ is praying for his disciples. And he says in, in verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So right here in this prayer, what is Christ, what's he praying for? Well, number one, he doesn't want Christians just to abandon the world and just leave the world behind. He wants, you know, the approach of the Christian life is not, now that I'm a Christian, I must find a Christian job. I must only hang out with Christian people. I must only read Christian books and watch Christian movies starring Kirk Cameron. Like, that's, that's not what it means to be a Christian. Because Jesus, he wants us in the world, but not of the world. There's a difference. In these verses, it's very clear. He wants us in the world, but not of the world. You're scattered like salt and light. As you go about your life, he wants us scattered like salt and light in the world. But while we do that, he doesn't want us adopting the world's philosophies, their way of life. So just as Jesus was sent into the world, he sends us out into the world. Today's a perfect day for the talk about it because our seniors are graduating Many of them are going to scatter and go places. And this is a model that, that God wants for us um, in our work, in our education. He scatters us as salt and light wherever we go. So God's will is for some people, I think, in this room to be, yes, pastors, missionaries, but not every Christian is going to be, can do that. You, you, every Christian can't be a pastor or missionary. There'd be no people to shepherd, right? There, there'd be no... Um, people to send missionaries. There's got to be people that are working jobs and making some money so they can send missionaries all over the world. So everyone can't be a pastor or a missionary. Um, Many of you are going to be out there just working alongside unbelievers and doing some jobs that feel kind of mundane, feel kind of just regular jobs. But this is God's call for many of our lives. And so you you need to be careful that you don't limit yourself. And think things like, I can only do kingdom work if I'm a pastor or a missionary and doing something explicitly that seems like it's kingdom related. Um, So these are some, I think, ways that um, you can impact the kingdom, but they're not the only ways you can do that. So John Piper says, you don't waste your life by where you work, but how and why. That's a really important point. You don't waste your, your life by where you work, but how you work and why you work. This is what I think saves you from the wasted life in your work. So you and I should never think that our job is just that, just a job. We should never think that our job is, yeah, it's just a job. It's just kind of getting me through this season of life. Because as a Christian, everything you do is spiritual if you're a Christian. So no job is just a job. Any place you work, God has called you there for a season of time and for a purpose. 
He's called you there for a purpose. Um, when I was in college, I um, was just trying to find a job that would be, you know, the best bang for the buck. So, like, I can work three or four nights a week, and I can just make a decent amount of money. So I was, um, did not want to wait tables, but I went and waited tables for three years. And I was doing it at this, this country club, this golf course environment, and I was a waiter on the inside of the country club thing. And, uh, and it was kind of crazy because I had this one job. I was an intern at a church, so that was like my spiritual job as I saw it. Then I had my just make money job, which was my secular job as I saw it. And, and I walk into this, um, this facility, and I was there for three years. And I saw some crazy things working there. I mean, I remember the guy that worked the night shift with me. He was the night shift manager um, in the evenings. And he would get his work done, but he was a drug addict. And he'd go out to the parking lot in between um, his breaks and get his drugs from his dealer and come back in. And, and then he'd work, and he'd go off and do some more stuff. It was, like, it was crazy. And uh, everyone I worked with, um, that I, that I, from what I knew, were, were not believers. And so at times I felt like, man, what am I doing here? Like these, I, I tried to share my faith, and they knew where I stood, and they knew um, something about my faith. But... You know, I was trying to keep a witness, but there are times where I just thought, man, I just want to withdraw from these people. Like, what am I really doing here? Why am I here in this place? And so um, I, of course, leave that area, and I move down to Temple. And then many, many years, like 10 years later, um, I am in the lobby of our church, and this guy walks up to me, and he goes, hey, is your name Dave? And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you recognize me? And I said, no. And he goes, I worked with you at the country club like 10 years ago. And I said, no way. I recognize him now. And his name is Kevin. And he was the executive chef. And I was like, dude, what are you, what are you, what are you doing in church, you know? And, uh, and he said, man, um, I've gotten into some trouble. I've, I was a drug addict. I stole. And now I'm here in recovery in Belton, Texas at Christian Farms Treehouse. And one of the rules is you've got to come to a church every Sunday. And so he happens to run into me 10 years later, this guy, in the lobby of our church. And so he and I went and met at Christian Farms Treehouse like two or three times to talk through just. And now he, he told me at the time that he was, he said, yeah, man, I've become a Christian. And I'm like, this is, this is incredible. What in the world? And I can't speak honestly if his faith is genuine or not. I don't really know. Um, I've not heard from him since he was in this area for that one month. But. How amazing is it that you meet someone? He says, he goes, yeah, I remember you were, you were a Christian, and you would kind of talk about your faith. And I'm not saying he became a Christian because of me. He didn't. It was the Holy Spirit if he, if he is one today at all. But how amazing is it that God gives you a glimpse, like just a glimpse of why you were there, there's a purpose. There's a purpose you may never see. You may never see it, but there's a purpose in the places that God has Uh, called us to be often you have no idea what kind of seeds are being planted wherever you are whether it's school or whether it's work so here's the question that christians should be asking how can my life count for the glory of god in my work how can my life count for the glory of god in my work so i want to look at just four ways in which i think we can do this um, as a christian Um, The first way, working for God's glory, is creativity. Now, just to clarify, God is the only one who truly creates things. 
You and I don't truly create anything out of nothing. God creates things out of nothing. Uh, We use the word creative, but it's almost the wrong word to use. You know, we don't we don't create things. We just reorganize stuff, right? Um, In fact, my daughter, between my two kids, my daughter is what we would call. She's the creative one. She, my daughter thinks the world is a canvas for her. And uh, so she draws on everything. She's drawn on the dining room table. She has drawn, I think, out there on that table out there in that lobby, right? I see some, my daughter probably did that, you know. Um, She draws, she loves to to paint. She loves to draw. Um, She she loves nothing more than to sit and take 10 pieces of paper and just make something out of it. And so we would say that she's the creative type. And so we'll say things to we'll say things like, "Oh, you're so creative," you know. But it's really the w- wrong word to use. Um, we really should use a different word. So really, we're just reorganizing stuff. I mean, it doesn't sound as good if you say to your kid like, "You're so good at reorganization of things," you know. You can't say that. So we use the word creative. But God's truly the only one who is creative in that sense because He creates things out of nothing. We just we organize stuff. So before we get arrogant about what you and I do, um, that's really what we do. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses uh, 27 to 28. God says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. These ideas to subdue and have dominion over the earth, this is, this is to take what God has given us. And to give it shape, to give it design, to give it order, so it reflects his truth and his beauty. This is what God is asking um, mankind to do. And when someone does this really well, it is a beautiful thing. When, when people do this really well, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, one of the things we do at the end of our mission trip to New York every year is we'll go and we'll watch a, a Broadway show. And I've seen a few of those. I'm sure many of you have seen those kinds of shows before. But something I'm always blown away by when I go see those kinds of things is um, many of these people aren't even Christians, but they're using their gifts that God has given to them. And you'll just be blown away at some of the creativity and the talent and the ability. Like when this one woman like hits this one note and you just go, how is that humanly possible to do that? The, the people that designed the set, the people that... Um, organize the whole thing. The whole thing just seems to flow so smoothly. And you, you watch that and you see it and you say, that is amazing and it is beautiful, the gifts that are at work in something like that. Or if you watch someone um, in an athletic event, like a professional in an athletic event, and you're watching them do the thing that they get paid millions to do, on a stage or on a court, on a field, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing when we see people use their gifts and talents in the ways that God's designed them to do it. And here's the amazing thing about it. As creative and as talented as these people are, their creativity is just a smidge. It's just an overflow of God's creativity. God created that person. Like they're just reorganizing stuff. And yet God created them so they can do all of this. And I think um, 
it's important for us to keep that in mind that you and I, we can't get arrogant and boastful because we're just, we're just changing a little bit here and there, reorganizing stuff. God is the one who's truly creative. But whenever you use your gifts of creativity, it's a reflection of his beauty and his truth. And it's a reflection of, of who he is. You know, at times I think that you and I, we tend to look at work as part of the curse, right? We tend to look at work as, yeah, we have to work because Adam and Eve sinned. It's their fault. All their fault. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Before the fall, it was just eating Twinkies and watching television. That's all we had to do, right, until they fell into sin. Um, But these verses are describing um, pre-fall. This is before sin. So before sin, God tells Adam and Eve, you're to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it, and you're to be creative. And so Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So right there, the word work is before the fall, before sin entered the world. There was work before the fall. So before sin, Adam would, this means he would till, he would plant, he would water, he would cultivate. He would harvest. This is all before sin came into the world. You know, when I was a kid, my parents um, had some land, and they had this, um, when people say garden around, they mean usually like, we got a row of like five tomato plants, right? Um, that's not a garden in my book, because the garden I grew up with was bigger than this room, okay? And I had to tend to it a lot. Trust me, I know this. And my mom would say, instead of watching cartoons on Saturday morning, you've got to go out and pick this out of the garden for the whole day. And so I'd be in the garden and have to do all this stuff with the garden. And uh, it was like my parents were planning for like the end of the world with all the stuff they would can and just, it was crazy. And, and so that was what we had to do was, as kids, even like little kids. And, uh, and so there were times where I'd be in the garden and thinking to myself as a kid, you know, I'm having to do this because of Adam and Eve. Because it's their fault. Like, if they hadn't sinned, I'd be watching cartoons right now, okay? This is how I thought when I was, when I was young. But this is not biblical. Because Adam and Eve had to work before the fall took place. And work was a joy. It's in Genesis 3, when sin enters into the world, that work then became cursed. Work became toil and labor and sweat and blood. So you might say it this way, work isn't the curse, but because of sin, work became cursed. Work became cursed as a result of sin entering into the world. So here's the issue. I think some of us see work as the curse, and so because of that, we're lazy. You know, we see it like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think I should have to live under the curse because I'm special, I'm important. I mean, everyone else should have to work and work hard. I mean, I mean, Jesus, yeah, he worked as a carpenter before he um, did the three years of ministry thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was Jesus, and I shouldn't have to live under that curse because I'm, I'm special, I'm important. And so the heart of laziness is this spiritual pride that says, you know what? Like the rest of you, you can live under the curse and, and work can be hard for you, but I'm out. And so this is a person who's always trying to, do shortcuts, and if things get hard or, or, or they feel like toil or labor, they're just like, you know what, that, that shouldn't have to be something I have to do because I'm special and I'm important. 
And so behind laziness, there is a spiritual pride that says, you know what, I shouldn't have to live under the curse, regardless of the fact that Jesus himself placed himself under the curse and lived a life of hard work and labor before he went to the cross. So that means he had scars on his hands before the cross. He had scars before he went to the cross because he worked hard um, in his job. So how many of you guys that have a job, um, you have things about your job that you love? Raise your hand. You, there's things you love about your job. Now, how many of you guys have things that you hate about your job? Raise your hand. All right? So you see, um, many are the same people raising their hand. Here's why. Because work is a gift from God. So that's the things you love. It's a gift. It's good. There's things you hate. That's labor and toil and sweat, and it's difficult. And this is why our work has weeds in it. Because it is difficult and hard. And we have to go against, um, against the grain just to accomplish things sometimes. So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is, uh, is adornment. I'll explain what this means. So in other words, how you and I do our work will make the gospel attractive or unattractive. Our work adorns or decorates the gospel. So being a good employee or a good boss doesn't save anyone directly, but it can make someone think high or low about Jesus. So in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we see this. It says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Now real quick, um, this verse, Paul is not promoting slavery. He's not endorsing slavery. Um, slavery was different in that culture versus how it was done in this country many years ago. But regardless of that, Paul is talking to people about even how they should live, even when they're in an unjust situation. Here's how you should live as a Christian. So to slaves, he says, um, yeah, respect your boss and don't talk back to them. And don't steal from them. And show that you can be fully trusted. Because when you do this, you're going to make the teaching about God attractive. Okay? So you don't work hard so people notice you. You work hard so that uh, people notice the gospel. You understand this? You don't work hard just to get a promotion or to get a raise. You work hard so people notice the gospel. Because when you work hard, people take you more seriously. Do you notice that? At the jobs that you work, if, if you're a hard worker, the boss seems to take you more seriously than someone who's not a hard worker. And then hopefully that they might take the gospel more seriously because of the way in which you work. Now, in order for this to work, people have to know at some point that you're a Christian. You can't be a secret Christian and have this work out. John Piper says this. He says, thinking that our work will glorify God when people do not know we are Christians is like admiring an effective ad on TV that never mentions the product. People might be impressed but won't know what to buy. You ever watch a commercial and you're like, that commercial is so funny, but I forgot what they're promoting, right? Um, 
Because if you don't mention, if, you don't, if they don't know you belong to Christ, if you keep it secret, no one's just going to say, um, you know, oh, you're, you're a Christian. Oh, wow. And they're not going to figure it out on their own. You can't be a secret Christian. So imagine the damage to the gospel if there's someone who's lazy and dishonest, but they also call themselves a Christian. That's, that's damaging to the gospel, making it unattractive. We live in a world that's looking for any excuse to not believe in Jesus. Don't be that excuse for them. Don't be their excuse. And again, you're, you being a good worker does not save anybody, but it, it might remove an obstacle for someone. The next thing I want to talk about is generosity. Um, in our culture and in our political climate, I think a lot of Americans think pretty independently, like, yeah, I work hard so I can make money for me and my family and, and put everyone through school. Um, and on the one hand, that's a good and biblical idea. But on the other hand, there's something missing from that. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, where Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So Paul says, okay, for those out there in that church that are, that are, that are, that are uh, stealing and they're thieves right now, um, he's saying, don't just not steal. Don't just go from, like, not stealing. He says, let him labor. Let him do honest work. Why? So he can give to anyone that's in need. So we don't work just to provide for us, but to be generous with other people around us. So Paul shows here how repentance should impact someone. You don't just stop doing the negative. You start moving towards the positive. And we discussed this before, that, that stealing comes from laziness and greed. It comes from laziness and greed. So you and I, we can steal to have, we can work to have, or we can work to have, so you, then you can give and be generous. And the last thing I want to bring up is relationships. This is why when a Christian works at any job, it becomes spiritual. Any job that you guys enlist in, you will encounter a web of relationships in that job. No matter what it is, you'll encounter a web of relationships. I've heard people say things like, you know, I just want to live out the gospel in my job. I just want to live it out. I don't want to get all preachy, is what they might say. And so I just want to be a good example um, to the people around me, and hopefully they'll just learn that I'm a Christian somehow. Well, listen, the gospel is not something that you just live out and hope for the best. You have to you have to speak it eventually. You have to proclaim it eventually. People don't just magically connect the dots. They, they don't say a month into your job, like, you know, you're such a nice employee. You must, you must be a Christian. You must believe that Jesus came to earth to live a perfect life. And then he died in our place. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead so that I could have salvation too. How do I become a Christian? They don't say that just based on you being a nice employee. At some point, you have to speak the gospel to someone and do it in a loving way, but it, it share, share Christ with them. At some point, you've got to use words. The gospel always involves words, not just life. Because there are some really nice atheists and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindu people 
there are some really nice people out there that have those beliefs. And so you can't just say, well, yeah, they're going to figure it out. They'll connect the dots themselves. Just being a good employee is not enough. So there's these relationships that God has placed you in. At some point, you've got to speak, though. You've got to speak. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So I've covered these four things. I want you to see that um, we don't have to see work as a waste. You don't have to see work, even your schooling now and your, your, your job, your college experience later on. You don't have to see it as a waste and ask questions like, you know, what's the point? When am I going to use this? Because here's the amazing thing. God has given us work to create relationships and to scatter you and I into all kinds of places so you can be salt and light wherever you go. This is partly why God has given us this thing called work. Work is God's intent. It was his initial intent. It wasn't the curse. It was his initial intent. And he wants you and I to use work to glorify him. So, um... If you and I, if we adopt the way in which the world works, you will truly waste your work, and you will waste your life. Um, This last quote by David Kinnaman, he says, A great job is like a good relationship. It's never perfect. It will cost you something, but it helps you grow in ways that you didn't anticipate. So think about that as you have your your last few minutes of discussion at your tables. Go ahead and discuss your last few questions.